Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. We're going to start this morning in the uh, chapter number four. And the title of the morning service is this, it's Spiritual Unity. The question that we're going to look at is how do we spiritually unite? Not only looking so much at just the how, but why. What are some of the things that, that God has called us to as the body of Christ? And as we have gone through the book of Philippians, and as we've looked at different things over the course of, again, uh, a number of weeks, but as we've looked at it over and over, multiple times, Paul writes on unity. He writes on uh, bringing the church together and uniting the church together. And, and he gives us different things. But as he comes and he's kind of writing his conclusion of the letter and he's sending this off to the, the people, the church at Philippi, he comes back to another circumstance, another situation of bringing people back together and then bringing out the joy of the Lord. And so this morning, if you would, if you have your Bible... If you would take your Bible, your copy of God's Word, and you open up to the book of Philippians, we'll be in the chapter number 4, and we're going to read the first seven verses together this morning. So Philippians chapter number 4, starting in verse number 1, says this, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius... And I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. I ask you, God, that you would speak through me this morning, that your word would challenge, that your word would encourage, and God, that folks would leave differently than when they came. In Jesus' name. Amen. Paul states at the very beginning of this passage of Scripture, he says, Therefore, my beloved, or my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown. Paul was fortunate to have done many things in ministry, but one of the things that he did all throughout his ministry was he went and he was a part of starting churches. And he would church plant in different locations. And this particular church, the church at Philippi, for whatever reason, there's a couple different things that have been stated, but they loved Paul, and Paul equally loved the church at Philippi. Not that he didn't love the others, the church at Corinth or the church at Thessalonica or any of those other ones, but Paul had a, had a heart and a, a passion for those people at Philippi because of how they cared for him and how they longed for him at different times and how they took care of him financially and a number of other things. But Paul writes and he says at the very beginning of this and he says that, that he longed 
for his, he says that uh, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown. He was writing, letting them know how much he was desiring to be back home and how much he, he wanted to go and to be a part of that church and how much he just loved them. If you have children in the house, or children, if you have children in the house today, if you have children, you understand and you recognize that there is a, a joy and a crown, so to speak, that come with those children. There is something that's inside of me that I long to, if I'm out of town, I long to come home for my family. I long to come home for my children. There's something within me that it comes about with joy and a crown that comes about my children as they do things that are well and they make me feel proud or whatever that would be. There is a joy, there is a a crown, there's an excitement about our children if you have children today. And Paul was just making sure, and Paul was letting them know, hey, I love you, I care for you, I long for you, and and I'm excited. Could you imagine, just thinking of this, Paul did have people that came back to him and reported to him, and as he was in prison at this particular time, he wasn't uh, just completely locked up way down and deep in a dungeon. He was under house arrest, so he had a little bit more uh, freedom, so to speak. But as Paul would sit in jail and he was writing or he was doing what he was doing most of the time, writing, praying, and singing songs is all throughout Scripture when Paul was writing. But thinking of the joy that would overcome him as he might have heard of what his church in Philippi was doing. Or maybe the joy that would come upon him as he had heard something good that took place in Corinth or he heard something good in Thessalonica or he heard something that came back to him. And just think of the joy that may have overflooded him. Think of the crown that he may, so to speak, have just been excited. Look what my kids are doing. When my kids do something well, I kind of, we kind of have that pat on the back. Look, hey, we, we kind of did something. We feel excited. We feel a joy. And Paul, at the beginning of this fourth chapter, is just making reference to the joy, to the excitement. And, it, and then he goes just a step further. And he challenges them. Again, he was longing to be reunited. He was longing to come back home or come back to the church. And he reminds them, he encourages them, and he says, hey, stand fast in the Lord. Stand strong. Don't move. Don't stop doing what you're doing. You've got to keep on pressing on. You've got to continue. You've got to do these things. Keep doing what you're doing. Stand firm. Hey, I'm excited for what you're doing. I'm so, you give me joy as I sit in this jail cell. You keep me going. I don't know what keeps you going this morning. And obviously the the heart of this entire book is not the children of uh, the church at Philippi. It's God inside and giving them that joy. But we all understand that, that we kind of long, we kind of have joy and, and we get pushed by the things that we love. There's, I don't know how many times I've talked to different families, different men, different people that say, I do what I do for my children and my family. I work hard so that my, my family can be provided for. Single moms, I do the jobs, I work the jobs, I work the hours, I do those things so that my kids have and they're provided for. We all have that in us. We all desire that. And Paul just was writing and he was letting them know, hey, stand strong. Stand strong. 
Because here's what Paul recognized and here's what Paul knew just as each and every person in this room knows. Outside of these walls, there's not many people rooting on Oasis Baptist Church. Outside of the walls of this church, there's not just millions and millions of people going, yeah, Oasis, go get them. Outside of the walls of your family, the reality is there's not millions and millions of people saying, all right, dad, go get them. Mom, go get them. Serve Jesus. Love Jesus and go get them. Hey, we live in a world and we live in a day and age, not just today. Paul was dealing with it too, that the the believer, the Christian was under attack. The church was under attack. And I don't say that this morning to say, oh, the world is falling apart and everyone's attacking the church. No, for all times, the church has been under attack. This isn't just 2015 where people are going, wow, we don't have the religious freedoms that we used to have. For all times, this took place. And Paul was reminding them and Paul had all these things in his mind and he just basically said, you've got to stand firm. You can't stop today. Church, again, you and I can't stop today because there's somebody outside of the walls of this church that's trying to attack us. Now, I'm not standing here saying that we have people out there that are attacking us. That's not where I'm going. But the world around us does not care if you succeed or not based on Christ. Hey, there's an enemy outside of these walls. There's an enemy that's lurking around. What does it say? That's seeking whom he may devour. Paul was reminding this church, Paul was letting them know, hey, you've got to stand firm because this. If we in here are at odds with each other, then the enemy is inside and the job from the outside has just been made that much easier. I would bet this morning that I wouldn't have one person scream and shout at me if I were to say, you know what? I'm not going to leave standing firm on God's word. No one's going to say, Pastor, you need to leave. None of you will. You would all say, yes. Stand on God's word. Preach God's word. Don't change the doctrines of God's word. Don't do those things. If I were to come in here today and start saying, you know what? God is not the only way to heaven. And if I were to start saying things that go contradictory to this, I guarantee you a good number of you in this room would have a big problem with that. How's this? I hope you would have a big problem with that. You're not going to fight me if I were to stand here and scream and shout, run up and down the aisles and say, no, we are standing on God's word. This is not leaving. This is the foundation of Oasis Baptist Church. You are going to go, yes. Paul is just giving a reminder. You've got to stand firm. You've got to stand fast because there's people all around that are trying to attack you. And then he goes on and he takes it that step further and he takes it into making it personal to them where he says, Yodius and Syntyche, hey, get your stuff together. We can't have this fight inside of our house. 
That's really what was going on. Yodius and Syntyche, and I could speak a lot on this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but these were two very prominent women inside of the church, and they did not have a doctrinal fight against each other. They had a personal qualm against each other. I don't know what that was. It doesn't make reference. Anything that I studied didn't make reference. But Paul wrote and he said, you've got to stand fast. You've got to stand firm. There's enemies all around. There's people that are fighting against. You can't do it inside the house. And he pointed out these two and he said, hey, you guys, I beseech Yodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And then he goes on further and he says, and I entreat thee also, thee was an individual within the church. There wasn't a specific name given. But he must have known somebody. There must have been somebody there that was, be it an elder or a deacon or some leadership position within the church. And he was writing to them, hey, you, thee, whoever you are, encourage this to get together. And as we come through this morning and as we go through, I'm not spending a lot of time on this because I've spent a lot of time on spiritual unity over the last uh, number of months and different sermons. But as we go through this, we have to recognize just as Paul was telling them and just as Paul was teaching to them, there's a lot of fight going on on the outside and there can't be a fight going on on the inside. As the fight comes on the inside, the division begins to happen. The split begins to take place. Now, God doesn't get the victory. The enemy gets the victory. And we've no longer stood firm on what God was telling us, encouraging us, and challenging us to do. Paul was speaking of spiritual unity. If you go to Acts chapter 14, I believe it's on the screen as well, but it says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them, what? To continue in the faith, to stand firm, to to do all of those things that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15 says something similar again, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, what? Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16. Watch ye and stand fast in the faith. Church, I don't think that we're having an issue in this area. I'm simply preaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. And this is where we're at. But God's word is very clear that you and I must stand firm and that you and I must be united together for the cause of Christ within the body of Christ. And so as we go through this this morning and we look at the idea of being spiritually united, there's a couple things that that come together to encourage that. Again, these two weren't having doctrinal issues. They had personal issues. Paul was writing, longing for them, longing to see them, longing to to be with them, to serve with them, to, to worship together with them, to enjoy them. But he said, hey, we've got to be together. We've got to be in unity. 
This morning as we get into the heart of the sermon, I could stay longer in those few verses right there at the beginning as there's uh, much study that's been done, but I believe that we understand the, the heart behind that. But one of the things that I absolutely love about going through Scripture is that every time that God's Word provides some type of an issue, there's always a solution within the issue. Paul gave an issue. The issue was two people within the church that did not, have a, that did not really care for each other. Paul then went on just a little bit further and he gave a little bit of an answer as to how that issue could be resolved. And so as we come into it this morning, how do we stay spiritually united? The first point this morning is this. It is simply having a gentle spirit. If we look at verse number 4, It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And verse number five is where we'll be with this point. It says, let your moderation be known unto all men that the Lord is at hand. See, God is, uh, Paul is writing and letting them know, hey, rejoice in God always. And And he repeats that. He reiterates that again. But he comes to it and he says, hey, let your moderation Let your gentle spirit, let your gentleness, let your meekness, let your, uh, again, all of those things. And, And as we look at it, as we study, there actually isn't one word in the English language that really describes what that moderation is. There's so many different things that go into that word. And so as we look at this, Let your moderation be known. Speaking of having a gentle spirit, I don't know about you and I don't know when you go throughout your day and I don't know when you go throughout whatever it is that you're going through. It's not just we are supposed to be gentle with all people outside of the walls of our church. See, I feel sometimes we make it Well, I am really nice to everybody outside of the church, and I love Jesus outside of the church, but it's okay that I have an issue inside of the church. God's word here in Paul says, what? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, let your moderation be known unto what? All men. Hey, I am supposed to have a gentle spirit I am supposed to have a kind spirit. I am supposed to have a meekness about me that everywhere that I go, I treat people with gentleness. I treat people with kindness. I treat people with that respect and all of those things. And that word goes on and on and on and on when we look at it. It says moderation. But here's some of the words that I found when I was studying this passage of Scripture. It says that we would have a sweet reasonableness. That we would have a generosity, a goodwill, a friendliness, a charity towards a leniency, a forbearance, a gentleness, 
And there was probably 10 to 15 other words that were mentioned in the passage or in the dictionary that I was looking at and that I was, as I was studying. It is our job to live and to be gentle amongst all people everywhere. And as we look at the idea and we look at this question of how do I stay spiritually united? How do we as a body of Christ stay spiritually united? Look, we're going through a situation right now in the middle of our church where we are in the process of of packing this place up to go to a new place. You know, there's probably... I know for me personally, in the last three years as the pastor, this is probably one of the most, if not the most, important time of the church history of being spiritually united is right now. You need me, I need you, we need each other, or else we crumble and fall. That's just the reality of where we are. That's the reality of where church is every day, all day for every church. Regardless if we're going through a circumstance. Hey, as we go through different things in our lives, as we go through this, here's what we need. We need to be spiritually united. If we are unstable inside of the walls, we are not spiritually united and the outside looks in goes that's not at all what I want because that's not the Christ that I've ever been told about that's what Paul is speaking here that's what Paul is writing here that's what Paul is encouraging and that's what Paul is writing saying is hey you've got to stand fast you've got to stand firm you've got to be stable we have to be stable why Because if we're unstable, then we're not spiritually united. If I have a problem with Alan, and Alan always gets picked on because he's in the front row, but if I have a problem with Alan, and Alan and I are not stable together, then our relationships around us are not stable together, and that spreads throughout the entire church. Why? Because Alan is a recognizable figure in Oasis Baptist Church. I am a recognizable figure at Oasis Baptist Church. And if we have a problem together, it's unstability inside of this body of Christ that does not breed spiritual unity. Therefore, there's disunity. Therefore, there's division. Therefore, God's word cannot fully go out the way that it's intended to go out. I said this not too long ago in a sermon on unity, but the world looks to who for Christ? Who does the world look to for Christ? Right in these walls. When the world goes through a problem, when, when crisis comes, God forbid everything would happen at, in Las Vegas or wherever, but if a crisis hit Las Vegas, we live in an unstable world. If a bomb hits Las Vegas and hundreds of people or thousands of people are destroyed and destructed, here's what I can guarantee you would be taking place. People will be begging for prayer and our church houses would be sought after for lots and lots of help. Because regardless of anything, in times of destruction, in times of hurt, in times of need, who is called? You and I. 
people get mad because we can't help all of the homeless. And then we just don't care when they walk in our doors. I don't know how many people have left, and I've said, listen, I don't have something to give you. I can give you this, this, and this, and they cuss me out and walk out the door. Why? Because I'm a church. We are supposed to be the ones that heal and fix everything. They come to us in time of need. If we are in time of need and we're unstable and we're not together united, if we're not spiritually united, how then can we do what we're supposed to do? We can't. How do we stay spiritually united? We live with a gentle spirit amongst us. Secondly, we live with a praying spirit. As we continue in chapter number 4 and verse number 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. We are to be anxious for nothing, is what he says. I don't know about you, and I spoke on this just a couple weeks ago on worry and all of those things, and I'm not going to spend a long time on that, but we all if we are honest, become anxious about many things. We all allow worry to stay uh, in our hearts and in our minds, and, it, and it, it eats at us. And as we are anxious, and as we are worried, and as we are doing all of those things, if we're doing those things unhealthily, it becomes unstable. As it becomes unstable, that means that we are not spiritually united the way that God would call us to be spiritually united. So how do we do that? We live with the gentle spirit. And we live praying always. Think about this. We must live and be gentle among all men. And we must be praying. Praying, it says, giving thanks. We go before God. We seek His face. We ask and and, and beg Him for those things and we give thanks. What better source of spiritually being united than for you and I to be on our knees with one another, on behalf of one another? There's not much better of a situation than that. It is dead silent in here. We are called to be united. Hey, I am called to bear your burdens, not because I'm the pastor, but because I'm a fellow believer in God. Hey, you are called to bear my burdens, not because I'm your pastor, but because I'm a brother in Christ. We are called to bear one another's burdens. And when we're living and acting as Paul was speaking with Yodis and Syntyche, and we have ought with each other, and that's our daily life, and that's how we're living because we have beef with one another, we're not praying for one another. We're not encouraging one another. We're not thanking God for those things, and, and we're not doing it together. That's just the reality Of where it is. Hey church. Let me ask you this. When was the last time. You got on your knees. Not on behalf of somebody in this fellowship. But with 
somebody in this fellowship. When was the last time we're Baptists in here, so we sit in the same seats every single week, and you sit in the same section if you're not in the same seat? When was the last time, except for the Huggins, you guys moved. When was the last time that somebody that sits here every week went over to somebody in this section and said, Hey, can I pray with you? Not your best friend that you sit beside every week. Not the husband or wife or your child that you're sitting beside every week. But when was the last time that you, together with somebody else, said, God, I want to pray on behalf of this person, and I'm going to do that. I know sometimes it's difficult. I know sometimes it's not something that we want to do. I know at the end of every service, when I do some form of an invitation, the reality is all of the people at the Welcome Center have to walk out quickly. All of the people that are ushers have to walk out quickly. All of this, we have to do all of these things. The reality is this, none of that has to take place. The most important thing that must take place is that we unite together and pray and answer back to God as how He spoke to us during the service. That's what needs to take place. But what we're worried about is I've got lunch and he went five minutes over. And instead of going from this section to that section or that section to that section or praying with somebody, our praying spirit becomes, God, this guy better shut up quick or he's dead and I'm not coming back because I got dinner at 12.15. That's oftentimes what that time looks like. Or we call a prayer meeting. Well, I'll just pray at home while you pray there. No, that's not the point. The point of a prayer meeting is that we're united together, praying together with one another on behalf of one another for the cause of Christ. How do we stay spiritually united? We're praying together. I'm thankful for you. I'm lifting you up in prayer. And I'm not just doing that at home in my prayer time. I'm not just doing that on my own. I'm doing that when I come to you and I say, Hey, Benny, can I pray with you about something? Hey, Jerry, Can I pray with you? It's awesome. It just happens that Jerry's sitting here. Jerry sends me text messages of some kind of prayer requests on a very regular basis, and I love praying on behalf of Jerry. But here's what I probably don't do enough. Jerry, why don't we pray right now, and I'll pray with you for that. See, we have prayer requests that go out. If, you get, if you're on the prayer chain, you'll get text messages on a very regular basis of different things going on. But here's what we do. We read the message. We may stop for two seconds and we pray for it, but we never follow back up and say, hey, how is that? Can I pray with you for that right now? What if that was the heartbeat of this church? You know how angry I can be at you while I'm on my knees praying beside you? It's very difficult. It's hard. 
How do we stay spiritually united? Church, here's how. We live our lives with a gentle spirit in everything that we do to the best of our ability. And as I'm doing that, my heart is opened up and my desire is that, God, I'm praying, I'm, I'm reaching out on behalf and I'm praying for my, my brothers and sisters in the Lord and I'm lifting up and I'm, I'm praying out and I'm giving thanks. Why? Because I love you. And God, in the midst of my hardship, in the midst of everything going on, God, I don't know why I'm praying here this morning that I, I thank you, God, that you allow me to lose my job. God, I thank you for the health situation that you've just allowed me to go through. God, I, I don't know why I'm saying that because in my heart I'm really angry. But God, I have to because you say, thank you, God. Why? Because he didn't promise us health. He didn't promise us greatness. He didn't promise us a lot of things. But what he did promise us as believers is that we can know him, that we can live in joy, that we can live in peace, that we can live in those things. He's promised us a lot of that. I wish God would have promised and said, Aaron, for the rest of your life, financially, you will be well taken care of and you'll never have to worry about that. I wish God would have promised me and said, Aaron, you know what? You'll never see your parents pass away. Aaron, you know what? You'll never see your children hurt. Aaron, you'll never see the church go through a hard time. I wish those were promises of God. Believe me, just as everybody in this room Wish that was the promise of God. But that's not. God does promise to hold us and to carry us through the loss of loved ones. God does promise to, to care for our needs as we lose a job. God does promise to do those things and we on our end have to say, God, thank you, though I don't understand it right now, thank you and God, as I thank you, and God, as I praise you for this, I ask that you care for my needs. But God, thank you through this time and teach me whatever it is. How do we stay spiritually united? We live with a gentle spirit. We live with a praying spirit. Being thankful. Not just in my own quiet time at home but right here with one another. Right here, lifting up the burdens for one another. And lastly this morning, how do we stay united with a peaceful spirit? In verse number 7, it says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I've spoken multiple times this year on the peace of God throughout different sermons and series. And again, I'm not going to be long on this last point of, of the peace of God, but as we unite, as you and I live our lives being with a gentle spirit, as you and I live our lives in a prayerful spirit, the peace of God comes right along with it and enables us to live peaceably. There's so many different things that we could go through. But Paul is laying out a plan for his church to stay spiritually united together. He's encouraging them to walk and work through differences. He is encouraging them to, 
to, to mix and to work things out, to deal with the situation. He is telling them, you've got to stand fast. You've got to stand firm. He's reminding them of all the fighting that goes on on the outside of the walls where the enemy is trying all that he can to destroy each of our lives in the, in the process, the building, in the, or not the building, but the church of God. And he says, you've got to live gently. You've got to let your moderation be known to all. You've got to, you've got to have no anxiousness and no worry, but give that back to God in prayer that we would do that together. God desires that we would have peace. And similar to that of joy, which again, this book is themed around, it's all based internally. It's a God thing. Each and every circumstance. One author wrote it this way, and I forgot to write the author's name, but it says, Peace is the inward confident trust in His flawless wisdom and infinite power that provides calm amid the storms of life. Peace is the inward confident trust in His, God's, flawless wisdom and infinite power that provides calm amid the storms of life. Just listen to these couple verses this morning. They'll be on the screen. But Isaiah chapter 26 says, Thou wilt keep Him... In perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Romans 15, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Psalm 29, 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people and the Lord will bless his people with peace. John 14, 27, a verse that most of you could be able to quote, but peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I love Psalm 29 where it says, the Lord will bless His people with peace. John 14, as Jesus is getting ready to leave, He says, peace I leave with you. A blessing of knowing Christ is having peace. God's peace works as we read this last bit of this passage of Scripture. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, it says, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Literally, that word is that the peace of God would guard our hearts. See, as we go through this, and as I used Benny here, as Benny and I pray together and I live gently towards and among Benny and he does back towards me, and we pray together, and we're united together because of the bond of Christ that is between us. Though his lifestyle or his life is different than my life and his likes may be different than my likes and his personality may be different than my personality and his gifts are different than my gifts and we may not necessarily hang out and become best friends in all of the world because we just don't gel in certain areas of life. The reality is this. 
as we pray together, as we are gentle amongst one another, as we love each other in Christ, Christ has a way of bringing peace about us that we naturally just love each other, which causes all of us to what? Live spiritually united. But if I look at Benny and I say, well, Benny, I don't like that you... What's your favorite team? Steelers. Oh, my word. I don't... I don't like that you like the Steelers, and this is a really poor illustration, but I don't like that you like the Steelers, so I'm going to kind of ignore most of everything about you, and I'll, I'll just shake your hand, and I'll give you a fake smile, and we'll go about it. We'll give high fives, and on a good day, we'll be able to celebrate what God did in his house. There's a little problem there because you like the Steelers. And actually, there's a problem because I like the Browns. And those are two uh, old school rivals. Old school because Browns stink and it's been 15 years since it's been a rival. But here's the reality in that. There is no spiritual unity between us. Because I've allowed things to get in the way that have nothing to do with doctrine, that have nothing to do with the cause of Christ. And it's because he likes one thing and I don't like one thing. He does one thing and I don't like it. He acts this way and I don't like it. And we have, we have disorder between us, which then there's disorder amongst other people. Because when Alan asks me about Benny, I don't say, man, Benny is awesome. Because I love Benny. He's done this and he's done that and he's done this. No, I look at Alan and I say, well, he's, he's a pretty good guy, but I just don't understand this, this, and this about him. And now because Benny likes the Steelers and I don't like the Steelers, I now talk to Alan. And when Alan and I communicate, Alan asks me about Benny because Alan's going to say, hey, I would love for that guy to work in the, the, the welcome center or whatever, the, the greeting ministry. But I'm going to say, well, he's a pretty good guy, but there's this, this, and this. And Alan now walks away going, wow, maybe I shouldn't use Benny because of this, this, and this. See, there's no peace. There's no unity. There's none of these things because we don't have it all congruent together because I'm worried about me and my differences there. God's Word says that we would live gently amongst each other. That we would pray together and give thanks and lift each other up. And in that, He will give us the peace of God. He will guard my heart and guard my mind. Church, this morning, this isn't a rocket science of a servant. This isn't something that you're going to walk away from this morning and go, wow, I never knew that I'm supposed to be gentle amongst each other and pray for one another. I understand that. But this morning as we move forward, as we press on, as we do the things that we're called to do as Oasis Baptist Church, there's no greater time than today that we must be spiritually united. And the difference that I have with Benny, I need to make that right and get it right. I need to begin to pray and get down on my knees and pray that he would not like the Steelers. No, I'm just kidding. I need to do those things. I have to. Not because I want to, but because I want the peace of God in my life. But I want that same thing amongst the body of Oasis Baptist Church.
hey, I can't live gently with you when I have a problem with you. And it's really hard to pray for you and with you when I have a problem with you. And based on that, it's really, really, really difficult to actually live in peace knowing that I have a problem over here. Because that's not how it works in our spiritual life. So this morning, as we come to a close, I don't believe that I'm sitting talking to a church that's divided in any way. I'm not here this morning, and we've been going through the book of Philippians verse by verse all year long, and this is the passage that we're in. I'm not here preaching on behalf of the problems that Oasis Baptist Church has, because that's not the case at all. But I am challenging you, and I am encouraging you, and I am going to confront the situation. If there is a situation, I'm going to let you know, hey, I would say this, it might be time that we start praying together at an altar during an invitation time. It might be time that we start meeting together on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or in the middle of the week or whatever that would be. It might be time that we no longer rush out of the invitation, but we speak back to God and give back something. God, here I am. Maybe my spirit's not been gentle the way that it ought to be. God, maybe I haven't prayed for others. Or maybe you sit here and say, I'm a prayer warrior. I pray for everybody. Thank you. Now go pray with everybody. It may be that simple this morning. It may be deeper than that. I don't know. But I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. That as we wrap up and as we come to a time and we close out this morning. That today would be a day that maybe starts something different at Oasis Baptist Church. That you reach across the aisle, so to speak. And you grab somebody and you pray with them. Maybe this week you've gotten a text message from one of the people inside of this room and you're on the prayer chain and you've prayed for them, but you've not prayed with them. And maybe this morning you would go and grab that person and you would say, God, I'm thankful for them. And God, I pray that you would lift up the need that they have. I don't know. I can't make you walk an aisle. I can't make you go across and grab somebody to pray with. But I'm just reaching out this morning. That Oasis Baptist Church, we've been challenged by God's Word to live gentle among one another, among all men. And that in that, we would pray with and for one another that we would live peaceful. And that our lives would be It's not perfection, but in the midst of the storm, there's a calm. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, 
go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.